Hello, everyone. We know the last thing you need is another fitness podcast just to catch you up on the newest trends, the fad diets that are based on popular opinion and not research. Enter myself, Mariana over here. We made fitness stuff for normal people podcasts to make exercise and nutrition science practical. Our goal is to expose misinformation in this industry by providing only evidence-based education where today we are covering a much talked about topic, plateaus, more specifically weight loss plateaus when you're making that progress and then you stop making that progress. More specifically, how we are going to define plateaus so we can actually know when we are in one, how to dictate at exactly what point you need to change something when you've reached that conclusion, when you're in a plateau, then specifically moving on to the five steps you can take to get out of a plateau, and then how to know when it might be a good time to reverse diet or take a dieting break in the whole process to let all metabolic processes return back to normal before entering into another deficit phase to ultimately reach your Go. But first, as you guys know, our show is free. It always will be free. Our goal is to reach as many people as possible. And one of the ways that you guys can help us do that is just to simply leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're consuming. We already have so many, which is awesome. So keep it up. We really, really appreciate it. Another way you can support us is becoming a Patreon member. We do have a Patreon now, and it is $5 a month. Every single Friday, we are releasing a research review. We take the research, complicated, boring, confusing, and we break it down in an easy way to understand that's digestible, and you can apply it to your everyday life. We'll be covering nutrition and training for fat loss, gut health and digestion, sleep and recovery, supplementation, and so much more. Every Friday, you'll receive an audio and video download of the newest review. We have downloadable PDFs, and there's also a lot of bonus content that we will be releasing each month. So if you want to head on over there for more, feel free to, and we really, really appreciate it. We also want to add a note from our sponsor, Legion Athletics. We talk about them a lot. I was just telling Tony how I finally tried their honey cereal protein. Oh my goodness. Out of body experience. So good. But we really only recommend and mention a select few companies over here that we work with because we want to make sure our ethics align and their research evidence base. And that's exactly what Legion is. We really, really have been following along with them for so long. I know Tony longer than myself. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome that they get to support us and we get to share them with you guys. They also work with an entire scientific review board. Every article, podcast, video they produce is vetted by a team of MDs, PhDs, and other professionals. They also fund scientific research into nutrition, exercise, supplementation to help advance our collective understanding of how to live healthier lives. So their ethics goals completely align with our own. And you can use Legion by tapping the link in our bio in the show notes or type in FSPod at checkout to get 20% off your first order or double points on every order after that. Now let's get into it. <laughs> now let's get it. Okay, for real though, that honey cereal protein. Oh my it's gosh, it's magic. so good. I, I just added it in. I actually made a no fruit smoothie the other day in case anyone's curious. What was it And I added pumpkin puree, the protein Ooh. powder. Oh, oats, that could be good. Some dates, a bunch the, of the ice, pumpkin, almond milk. It was so good. The pumpkin puree and the honey cereal. Yeah. yeah. Like, dude, the honey cereal, I mix it with my light almond milk 
at night and it's a legitimate like it tastes like a freaking dessert i'm not a big into a lot of different flavors a lot of different things like most supplements i just don't think taste great yeah but like most companies and most supplements but the honey cereal it just it just yeah. pull on my heartstrings I hate like a really artificial sweet flavor, which you get from mm. a lot of protein powders. And this, it's like, it is sweet, but it's not that like weird aftertaste. It doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, I can't have too much of this. It's, oh, it's delicious. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> glad you finally tried it. I've only been telling you now for freaking months. No, I know that's a long one to wait for. And I'm pumped about today's topic because we've been, Me too. we've been asked a lot about it. Okay. You know, how I talk a lot about potassium. A big potassium fan. If you're familiar, I, know this. I freaking love these. Not a sponsor. Body Armor over here. I have like the Body oh, Armor good. lights. So it's like 15, 30 calories. 1,200 milligrams of potassium. 1,200 milligrams. And for yeah. those of you guys who are totally lost, I shout about it all the time on my Instagram where only 2% of Americans hit the RDA for potassium and how important that is in so many metabolic <laughs> processes in the body. But it's so hard to find because you can't buy, this is a fun fact, you can't buy supplement form potassium over 100 milligrams and you need 4,700 milligrams or 4.7 mm -hmm. grams in a single day. So people are like, oh, where's the supplement? You can't buy it more than a hundred. That's regulated. So you have to get it through food. So I was like, holy crap, this body armor light. Tony, you hundred. would have loved this. I was just in Colombia, and on every single corner, there's oh. just co people cutting open coconuts, fresh coconuts. Cause Coconut water is extremely high in yeah. potassium. In the U.S., oh, a bottle that's of cool, coconut though. water is like $5 for a small thing. Yeah. A coconut, fresh coconut, 25 like, cents. 25 cut, cents. Like cut the head off the coconut. Yeah, they like cut one them. Of those, like, yep. Oh, and that's freaking And they have fruit on cool. every single corner. Oh, my goodness. So yummy. Dang. I don't like coconut water, but if someone cut the head off a coconut. It tastes completely And gave it to me, it would taste different. so freaking bomb. So good. Anyway. Right. I'm going to Columbia. Look at my next trip. <laughs> so today, we're talking about potassium. No, we're talking about the most frustrating thing in the world, I would say the most common frustration amongst dieters yeah. is not losing weight. That's the whole purpose. You're doing any of it in the first place. If that's your goal, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. You're checking off everything on the to-do list. You're following all the rules and your progress just stops. And I know in the intro, we were talking about exactly what we're going over today. And I just want to give you guys a little hope. The most frustrating thing in the world, like it, you can feel it in your body sometimes, frustration. But as complicated as a lot of these metabolic processes are that we go over on the show, as complicated as a lot of these different things are, the strategy and breaking through a weight loss plateau is not that complicated. It, it really isn't. It's not as complicated as most people make it out to be, but it does take a lot of being honest and asking the right questions with yourself mm. so you can then figure out how to answer those questions. And then bada bing, bada boom, you're there. So that's the goal for Today, and I think no better spot than just defining what the heck is a plateau. Because I think when most people come to us, initial clients out of the blue, like, you know, I lost a lot of weight and I'm just in a plateau, just starting out. Define what do you mean by plateau? They don't really know what it means. So that's what I wanted to set the record straight here. I wanted to take the fuzziness that people use for a plateau and make it crystal clear. Yeah. So we've pretty much outlined and i think we can agree on this part there's two main kinds of plateaus and i'm a form of the second i'm a fan of the second more two forms of plateaus is one there's a strict weight loss plateau and that's when we'll say if you're taking daily weigh-ins every single day usually in the morning over the course of two weeks your scale is averaging the same exact weight and we know that your scale can fluctuate all the way from five to even ten pounds in a single day based on water weight alone if you're not familiar with this app on 
iOS, I don't know if it's on Android, called Happy Scale. Have you heard of Happy Scale? You, I have heard of it from you, yeah. Okay, super, super helpful for people like that struggle with the constant fluctuations because it takes your fluctuations, which are normal, but it tells you what your trending weight is based on the past few weeks of data, not what your daily weight is. Because mm -hmm. nothing's more frustrating, right? When you turn down drinks with friends, you're like, no, I'm doing good today. I'm sticking to my, sticking to what I had planned on sticking to. And then you check the weight the next morning. I'm up three pounds. What the heck? This kind of gives you where it's like, yeah, you could be up three pounds in a day, but you're overall trending two or three pounds down. So it gives you the trend. So I would always recommend using something like that. But that's what a strictly weight loss plateau is. We're trying to think of a better name. I'm big on getting catchy. I like alliteration, but we couldn't think of one. But something, maybe we could do that on this podcast. A total progress plateau is the second kind of plateau. And that is where not just over two weeks, your weight stops moving, but all forms of progress stop moving. Progress photos, as in body composition, your measurements, if you're taking measurements, as far as like circumference measurement around your waist, your hips, your legs, your arms. Strength in the gym has also stopped progressing. You're not getting stronger. You're not building more endurance. And you're not noticing any progress, any biological feedback, like hunger cues, like your sleep, like your daily energy or fatigue. All of those measured have stopped. And that's what I usually refer to as a real plateau is when you're not making markable progress in any aspect, not just the scale. Because we know how little you can count on yeah. just that. Yeah. I definitely prefer that much more. And it's just more accurate because the scale fluctuates so often. We talk about that so much. So Yeah. It's yeah. So just counting on the scale, it's like, yes, you can base things off a of weight loss plateau, but I generally don't look to change anything until you've noticed two weeks of a measurable plateau. And this is also a big thing that I know we talk a lot about on this podcast about too, is this is if you're tracking and measuring all these metrics of progress, a lot of people might not be in the spot to track and measure all of these measures mm -hmm. of progress diligently. You might not be able to step on the scale every single day. You might not be able to handle progress photos and measurements and tracking your workouts. And that's totally fine. It's totally fine. It just makes it a little harder to define when you're actually stuck. Yeah. You know, you get pros and cons with every route. For some people, it's cool if you want to be more on the side of not tracking anything, not tracking progress, but it's really hard to tell when you're in a plateau without tracking at least some of those metrics. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Or would you say for I those people where they should be? I totally agree. We talk a lot about being honest with yourself and that tracking your progress helps with that honesty because it's yeah. a little bit harder when you have some sort of external measure to be more cognizant of how your clothes are fitting, how your jeans fit, something like that. Totally understand that the scale does not mentally work for everyone. And sometimes it doesn't represent your progress, but it's just being honest with yourself too about what is realistic. What are my goals realistic for what I'm trying to achieve? Mm -hmm. Is this plateau really something I, I actually want to for myself for the right reasons get out of? Yeah. Maybe I'm going to have to look into a few more measures of progress. Yeah. I think that that's what it is. It's being honest with yourself. You can bend and we're even going to talk about something called cognitive dissonance where people lie to themselves and how it's not really their fault. They're not knowingly lying to themselves, mm -hmm. but that's the hard part about some measures of progress is it's objectively telling you the truth. You can't yeah. lie and say, like, how did I eat yesterday in your head? You'd be like, I ate pretty well, even though you know you might not have. But the scale, mm -hmm. it's like, well, here's your weight. Like, here's a number. <laughs> Deal yes. with it. Like, it's, it's, it's objective, yeah. Yeah. which is crazy. But I think that's a good point to go into because those are the types of plateaus 
And here's what I see just from being in this industry for almost 10 years and working with a lot of different peoples in a lot of different settings, a lot of different peoples, a lot of different people in a lot of different <laughs> settings. Here's what I notice most of the time. And I wanted to put an arbitrary number to it, but I didn't. That just usually adds confusion. The vast majority of people that I see that come to you and say, hey, I am stuck. I'm in a plateau. Aren't actually in that plateau because here's what has to be in place for those two situations that I just discussed. Here's what has to be in place for those two things to actually happen is you have to be doing exactly the same thing that you were doing in the first place that got you that progress in the first place. And I'm going to mm. tell a little story because I was actually rereading a book that reminded me of this exact topic. It was called, and I recommend this book to everybody. I think it was like Amazon's top book in 2008. It's called Mistakes Were Made, and then in parentheses, but not by me. It was by Carol Travis or Tavris and Elliot Arneson. I screwed up their names, but <laughs> title of the book, that's all that matters. Mistakes Were Made, but not by me. And they go into the exact mechanisms in our brain, which prevent us from admitting mistakes that we have made, not by choice, but by fault. So here's what I see most of the time. And here's how it plays out. I think when I see a lot of people in addressing plateaus is someone will start making progress. And this is cool because when you work with a client, you've probably seen this as well. They get on a program. It's a new training program. It's a new style of eating that they might not be used to. They're motivated, right? And, and I just gave some particular examples, right? They might be tracking their food on a food scale for the first time. They're like, holy crap, I have a lot of control mm -hmm. now. I know exactly what's going in and out. They might be meal prepping for the entire day of the week ahead of it. They might have cut out alcohol because they were motivated. They might have added two 20-minute walks every single day to increase their step count. And maybe they just started weight training four days a week when they've never done that before. They're motivated. All these things are happening. And what's going to happen? Obviously, they see success. The weight's going down. Clothes are fitting better. They're getting stronger. They're noticing the composition change in the mirror. They've got it all figured out. But... Here's where human nature kicks in. And this thing called cognitive dissonance comes in, right? As human nature, you start to see slowly and slowly what you can get away with and still make progress. Let's say for the course of two and a half months, you've steadily been averaging a pound and a half, two pounds, maybe a week. You're making phenomenally quick progress, which for the record, two pounds a week is extremely fast progress. Yes. That's not average. That is fast progress. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're doing that, right? For two and a half months and you're cruising and you haven't hit a speed bump yet. You're going to start to see what you can get away with. Maybe some opportunities present themselves. At first, maybe it's some small things, right? Like drinks on the weekend or eating out more, right? So you start to change this, right? Maybe you start to realize, oh, I can have one or two drinks on Friday night with my friends and I can stop using the food scale because I get pretty much where I'm at and I'm still seeing progress. The scale is keep moving. I do that for a couple of weeks and the scale keeps moving down. Heck yes. Human nature says, what else can I maybe do? Yeah, can I stray yeah. a little bit further away from that path? So maybe you're like, I get busy sometimes after work. So I'm going to stop taking those 20 minute walks that I used to do after work every day. I'm going to skip those a few days. I'm going to skip doing some of those things that come up and you slowly change what you were doing piece by piece at a time. But we all know this. If you're doing 99% of what you were doing in the first place in your brain, if I ask you, are you doing the same thing? You're like, yes, I'm doing the same thing. But those small little percent, those small incremental changes don't just happen from the beginning every time. They happen from the last iteration of that, right? So human nature, you say, okay, one or two small changes turns into three or four, turns into four or five. And this happens over weeks and sometimes months. And that's why it's hard to keep track of. So in your head, you're basically doing the exact same thing that when you started. 
that gave you progress in the first place. But after you've made, let's say, 10 or more of those changes, you stray too far from that line that got you there in the first place and your progress eventually stops. And you're like, well, Mm -hmm. crap. Why is the scale not moving now? It's been two or three weeks. It's moved two pounds every single week since I've started. Why has it stopped moving? And that's what cognitive dissonance is, is when you or who you think you are in your head doesn't match who you actually are through your actions on the outside. So the you and the picture you have in your head of what you're doing to elicit weight loss, to get all this done, doesn't match your actions because you've strayed just one tiny step at a time way further away than you thought. Like Nemo in the boat when he wants to go <laughs> touch a boat. It's like you slowly get there and then you look away for a minute and you keep swimming, swimming, swimming. You look around, you're like, holy crap. I'm so far from my friends, my family. That's not how the movie went. But you look away and you're like, oh my God, I'm a lot further away than I thought. Yeah. But in your head, before you turn around, you're like, oh, they're right behind me. I'm right mm-hmm. where I was. Your brain believes you're doing exactly what you're doing. You're not lying when you say that you're doing exactly what you're doing, but that doesn't mean it's objectively true. And that's what I see to be the biggest piece is Mm -hmm. people have a hard time recognizing when they might be at fault, when they've maybe made a mistake of miscalculating like, oh, maybe I'm being a lot looser than I thought I was. Maybe I'm not doing what got me that progress in the first place. Because that's the thing about progress too, is it doesn't usually slowly come to a halt. It's like, oh, I was averaging two pounds down. Now I'm 1.8, then 1.6, then 1.4. It's usually like you hit a wall. It doesn't give you a little warning. It just stops. And that's a frustrating place. At least, I don't know about you, but that's what I've noticed in so many people in coming in is they'll just slowly see what they can actually get away with, which is fine. You should see what's good, see what works, see what doesn't. But they forget to update who they are in their head, right? They're like, oh, this is what it is. Do you notice that too? Or am I just crazy with that? No, I notice that all the time and it's different, but it's almost expected at some stage because again, the strict calorie counting, tracking every morsel of food, like obsession, which a lot of people fall into, oftentimes unintentionally, it's only so sustainable. And you start to want to find little ways to not do that because you're a human being. But I think a lot of the, what really needs to happen is in the beginning, think about, are your goals realistic for the lifestyle you want to live? Yes. Also understand that change is inevitable. Life is always changing. And maybe your goals a year ago are not realistic right now. And your goals in a year from six months from now, maybe might not even be realistic because you can't predict the future. Being more honest about what goals you can have within your lifestyle, within Big time. your mental health, like sometimes it's more, it's, and it's way more effective for those sustainable results. If you're reaching for a weight in mind that you kind of are at, that you're actually living comfortably at, though it may not be the shredded, it may not be the six pack, you may still feel like you want to lose 10 more pounds. Is my why to get a six pack? Is my why to have 8% body fat? Then, then maybe you need to rethink that. Yeah. I think it's even more perfect in the example that I used for that is because that was a very rigid lifestyle change that that person in the example took, right? They cut out alcohol yeah. completely. They started weighing everything on a food scale. They prepped every single meal for the entire week. They added so much. And so it was a very, it was a more rigid style. That's not the goal is to do that for the entire life. I'm not saying, mm-hmm. and we're not saying yeah. track your food and never stop tracking your food until you get to your goals. But 
again, just being honest with yourself. It's like, oh, these more rigid approaches are what got me that in the first place. And now I stopped seeing them. Then you have to make a decision. Do you want those rigid approaches anymore? Or do you maybe want to shift your goals and shift your why behind it, which is equally as important. We were even talking about having this conversation before with Deanna and even just on ourselves on here is getting to a place of where your goal is at specifically. If you want to take it to the next level, get shredded six pack. If you want to do those things, please just spend some time because that's an awesome goal to have. If you genuinely, if it's your goal, you know why you want to get there. But I see too often people want to look a certain way and you ask them why they want to look like that two or three times. And it's like, oh, well, because that's how so-and-so wants to look and I want to look like them. It's like, was that what you want or is that what they want? Just be confident in your answer of why you want to look the way you look before anything. And keep asking yourself why, especially if it is those strict physique goals, because even if your answer is no, I, I want to just feel confident. And I really know that once I am more like that lean and my abs are visible, I'm going to be confident. Why? Ask yourself why again. Yeah. Who how is many... that for? What yeah. do you, th- why do you think you're going to be confident doing that? I would love to just survey anyone that has gone mm. through con- like competitions, bodybuilding compositions, or has been really, really strict and is no longer and ask them how they about their confidence if they were ever satisfied were they the most confident then and i'm not talking about you see so many clients and so many people who do lose a significant amount of weight and Mm -hmm. their confidence has increased so much and it is incredible to watch especially as a coach we're not talking about that end of the spectrum it's the extremes of not being satisfied feeling like you need more feeling like you need to constantly control your weight if people are losing mass amounts of weights and they feel more confident than ever, a lot of the time it's because there's a feeling that's associated with that. They're healthier. So they have mm-hmm. more energy through the day. So they're sleeping better. So they're able to enjoy life's moments a lot more. Yeah. And how many times have we heard this story? It's even a trending like meme and joke on social media. Now it's like, oh, when you really get into body milling, it's like, that's when your body dysmorphia starts and you're not going to get rid of it. Like it's a joke. Yeah. Ha ha. That's funny. Let's laugh about it. But at the Gosh. end of the day, do you want that forever? No, because, and that's a good question. If you want to get a shredded six pack to prove to yourself something, how many times have we seen that story where it's like, okay, you accomplish something and you need something else because it's never good enough. Are you going to be stuck in that rut where you're just constantly chasing that next thing? Or are you going to be satisfied with something? And I think that is the why behind what you're doing so often. Because if the why is like, I will only look, like I'll be confident when I look like this. Yeah. I'll feel good about myself. I'll be happy when I finally get rid of that little like flab on the side of my stomach, I'll finally feel happy when I get my hips out of the way. I'll finally, you know what I'm saying? Realize if that's how your statement and your why is, it probably isn't gonna be the end of goals once that does happen. Mm-hmm. Like you're not gonna achieve the happiness, the confidence you're looking at a lot of the times when you get to that point. Would you agree with that? Like when, you're, when your confidence is on the line of attaining something, it's probably not gonna be met when you get there. Yeah. Right now in my head, this personal side out, I wish that I could go back in time like six years and sit my past self right down right here and watch me, my future self, like totally agreeing with this. And because it's so true and you may be listening to this right now and not believe a word we're saying, not agree with a word we're saying, I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there. You don't want to live it. You don't want this feeling that I'm having. It is regret because chasing that 
you lose so much along, you, you lose people, yeah. you lose experiences. We always try to be super clear about that, especially when we're talking about weight loss mm -hmm. and this topic of overcoming a plateau, which is very real. And a lot of people need to learn how to do this, but there is that other side of the spectrum that you don't yeah. need to lose those extra five, 10 pounds because then it's just going to be another five, 10. And then. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just goes on and on. So again, take the time. Cause again, all of those goals, if you want to step on stage at 5% body fat, that's freaking awesome. Just make sure you know, and you're confident in why you are doing it. And it's for the right reasons. That's all we're really mm -hmm. saying. There's no such thing as good or bad goals. That's really it. This is the last point I want to go on there before we get into the steps to take once you recognize you're in a plateau. And I think we just talked about this with Deanna. I love the term because I've never heard the term before of not body positivity, but body neutrality. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're training from a perspective of body neutrality, meaning not body positivity of you have to love the way you look all the time. You have Regardless. to love your arms in a tank yeah. top. You have to love your core in a bathing suit. You have to love that's body positivity. I don't think we like that as much. That's not what we're saying you have to be at. Yeah. Body neutrality, more just meaning how you look doesn't dictate your feelings or your mood or your outcomes. Mm -hmm. You can have like goals wanting to change those, but body neutrality just means that your body, no matter what it looks like, doesn't dictate how you feel towards those certain things. And I think that's a big piece mm -hmm. that more people I think really would like to understand because it is in social media. It's like, you're telling, like, you have to love every piece of yourself. You don't have to feel anything about pieces yeah. of yourself. That's kind of yeah. the goal. It's like trying to solve the wrong problem in the first place. Yeah. And not feeling either way limits so much stress in your life and mm -hmm. makes a clearer headspace, clearer path for you to achieve goals that you have for the right reasons. Because when you're caught up in that cycle of like, have to yeah. work out to look like X, Y, Z, or have to target my yep. thighs because I hate them or have to eat this way because I hate the way my stomach looks like yeah. you're not going to achieve those goals. Dictate, yeah, oh, I can't wear this because I didn't work out today. Or I didn't do that. It's like, yeah. what? You, like, no, just, yeah. If you're neutral about it, it changes so much. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good goal to have. So let's talk about it. You're in a plateau. We're there. And here's what I mean. And I want to reiterate this, right? First step. First step, always the first step, make sure that you're actually doing what you were getting progress with in the first place. Like I said, the tracking was whatever you were getting progress with a few areas of life that most people don't think to look out. Okay. Cause obviously you got nutrition. Are you eating the same way you were before your rules for being flexible? And I think this is a big one. I know most people refer to these as cheat meals, but another aspect is most people, when they're in a weight loss or fat loss phase, have or try and schedule in some sort of flexibility in the nutrition. They will have some drinks. They will have some foods. Make sure you're not extending that flexibility too far, right? So maybe you still have the same dietary approaches, but you haven't extended those things where maybe you are eating at Cheesecake Factory for your meal off instead of making something at home and you just ate 4,000 extra calories, whatever. Mm. Another big piece in doing what exactly you were doing when you started with it. I see a lot has your neat. We talk about neat all the time, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, the most malleable and second largest potentially piece of your metabolic rate. Did that change from when you're hitting a plateau and when you're not? Cause so many times I'll see a, someone who comes in as a server, who's getting 15,000 steps in a day, diet stays the same training stays the same. They're hitting the gym every like four or five times a week. Then they get a desk job a month or two down the line, it catches up to them and they stop losing weight. So I'm eating the same, I'm training the same, I'm sleeping the same. 
everything's the same. It's like, well, everything, but that big piece of you moving all day. So has your neat changed through the day? Has your training frequency changed? So if you're in, like you said, a busier season of life, maybe you plan on going to the gym five days a week, maybe for a few months, you were able to do that. You were going to the gym five days a week, but now when life gets busier, you're missing one or two sessions every week that might catch up to you and you might need to make an adjustment. So once you make sure that all those things are the same and you still see that stall in progress, here's what we're going to do about it. And I think this just comes to down to asking the right questions because plateaus are inevitable. You can talk to anyone who's been successful losing weight, anyone who's been successful in any metric, building a business, building muscle, building relationships. There's plateaus along the way, right? Progress is not linear. It doesn't just mm-hmm. happen like this. There's always stalls. There's always falls. So let's talk about what is weight loss. That's an easy question, right? Let's stem it down. Weight loss comes from a calorie deficit, right? Calories in versus calories out. Very complicated topic, but we know this to be true. That is factual, right? Weight loss comes there. So that means if you're not losing weight anymore, you are no longer in a calorie deficit. Okay. So let's look at the different approaches to create a calorie deficit, right? That's step number two. What approaches can you take? You can either A, decrease how many calories you are eating or B, increase the amount of calories that you are burning. And we're not just talking through exercise, right? Your metabolic rate is over 90% coming from non-exercise through the day. So A or B, right? Decrease the amount of calories you're eating or increase the amount of calories you're burning. And we both recommend do what you can to max out B before turning to A, meaning do what you can to max out how many calories your body is burning in a day before you eat less food, not just because eating less sucks and is less fun and there's nothing good about it most of the time, right? Mm. But because eating less comes with a lot of different negative side effects that we don't like. We talked about this in our episode, 10 signs you might be not, might not be eating enough food. Yeah. We talked about that last week. Eating less food's not fun. So do what you can to maximize how many calories you're burning. Now, I know we've talked about this here and there on the podcast, but when people hear that, and tell me if this doesn't just ring a bell in your mind, when people hear I'm already thinking it. burn more calories, they think, okay, spend more time on the treadmill, I, do more yeah. cardio, spend more time <laughs> at the gym. And that's the only thing people think of is yeah. do more exercise. And that's not what we're saying. Even though that's an option, that's not what we are saying. And I think that's the big, I know the big head point that I see a lot on social media is people say, oh, just eat less and do more. It's like you're ignoring that your total energy expenditure, how many calories you're burning in a day, over 90% is coming from places outside of the gym. Let's see what we can do in that 90 plus percent before we focus on that small little cherry on top that is exercise. Mm-hmm. Is that where your head was going with the, the more? Because I was just about to butt in and be like, this is not a saying. <clears throat> Go do cardio for two hours a day and you're, fi- and you're fine. Because remember, there's as a part of your total energy expenditure, you have non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is what we're talking about, your NEAT, and exercise, the calories you burn from exercise. And NEAT is much more, you can change it. It has more room for changing. It it Mm -hmm. impacts your total energy expenditure more and because it's the most variable portion. So no, they are not, it is not the same thing. Cardiovascular exercise is good for you. You definitely should do it. It is good for your heart, Mm -hmm. but doing cardio every single day, 
is, is yeah. not the, the point of working out is not to burn calories. The point of yeah. working out is not to burn calories is to get stronger to overall build a healthy metabolic rate. And just to give a brief rundown for those of you, we've talked about the terms before, but if this is your first time listening or you just aren't familiar with those terms yet, your TDEE is your total daily energy expenditure, where the calories you burn in a day are coming from. EAT or exercise activity is at the very top. That's about five to 10% of where you burn calories. Then comes the other things that we were talking about. So after exercise, there's something called TEF or the thermic effect from food. You burn roughly 10%, give or take 5% of your daily calories, just digesting the food that you eat. Then you have NEAT that we keep saying, which is non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is largely referred to as like your step count throughout the day. But it also has like, okay, your standing versus sitting time, Mm -hmm. fidgeting, how much you're walking, how many breaks you have throughout the day where you're actually moving around. That's your NEAT. That's the second largest component of your calorie burn throughout the day. And then your largest port, which is 50 to 70%, which is your BMR, right? Your basal metabolic rate, how many calories your bodies burn at rest. So that's what we're talking about in your output. It's a lot more than just exercise more. That's what we're saying. So how do we max out and the steps you can take to max out how many calories that you are burning in a day? So step number one, and I know we always, always recommend this, even if you're just starting out on a weight loss journey, increase your NEAT first, that NEAT, that non-exercise movement by adding in small walks. You can add in 10 minute walks after each meal of the day. That's 30 extra minutes over the course of a day, probably a few thousand steps right there. Look at where your steps are, increase them. Look at how much time you're sitting. See if you can take more standing breaks or moving breaks. That's the biggest thing that you can do to max out how many calories you're burning in a day is just start to move more. Other ways you can do this, some do include the gym, right? Increase your training frequency. If you're hitting a plateau, because maybe you're only going to the gym two or three days a week, you do strength training, which is phenomenal. And you can see phenomenal progress at three days a week. But a good way to burn more total calories through the week is maybe if you have the flexibility in your schedule and your time, go to a four or five day routine. Another step, and I don't love this, but increasing and seeing where your cardio is. So if you don't have any cardio in your program, introducing small amounts at the gym can be great. Right. I would never recommend more than an hour and a half or two hours total in a week, but introducing cardio phenomenal way. And that's why a lot, especially people that are looking to get leaner and leaner, once they get down to a certain leanness, a lot of the time it's, it's not possible to get to a certain leanness without adding a little bit more and more cardio, which is totally fine. As long as you're not overdoing it and then make sure, and this is what people always forget. Some of the biggest players in your BMR, the biggest chunk of your metabolic rate is checking on your sleep quality and quantity, checking on how well you are managing your stress and seeing how much overall muscle and lean body mass you have. Those things are also going to pay a large factor into how many calories you're burning in a day. That's something that we guys talk about. So when we say increase your calories burning and max it out, those are the steps you want to take before you even think about eating less food. Those are all things that you should be thinking about before you say, I should just eat less or decrease my calories left. Did I forget anything on that list that you could think of? No, I think that that's perfect. And I want to throw in the reminder when we're talking about these things too. It's very easy, say if you were getting into a 10,000 step a day routine, whether it's, you know, your environment changes at work so you can't go for walks as much or you just stop going for that one extra walk every day or you just stop, Mm -hmm. like slowly stop 
walking, it is easy for that to happen. And it's easy to forget that you're actively choosing to do that because it's very easy to blame your environment. And I'm not the type of person that is like, okay, just make time. Not that person at all. I totally understand that people sit all day. They have to commute to work. I totally get that. Used to do it. But it's about being honest with yourself and saying, okay, no, I just don't have time to walk. All right, let's move on to the next option. If your job changed and now you have more of a sedentary job, all right, we're going to move on to the next thing because honestly, I I don't have time to get in even 6,000 steps a day. That's okay, but don't use it as a, well, I just, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's yeah. Have a problem solving, be solution oriented. Yeah. Not just problem oriented, be solution oriented. Maybe you move cities and now you live in a dangerous part of town. So you used to go on nighttime walks that you can't go on anymore because it's terrifying outside. Maybe you live in Boston and it's wintertime and you have three feet of snow on the ground. These are legitimate, but don't let that be the wall that stops you. Say, okay, that stops me in that direction. Let me find the next solution because there's infinite solutions to this. That was Mm -hmm. a great point. Now, looking into the specifics of your training style, I think it's also worth noting because years and years ago, I, when I first moved out to Atlanta, Georgia, before I moved to San Diego, a couple years back, <laughs> it was to open up these gyms called Orange Theory Fitnesses. I got the great opportunity to work with the new ownership group. I was one-on-one personal training for so long. So for a couple of years, I got the opportunity to move out there to open studios and to coach and build those businesses, which was great. But those style of workouts, and I think these are becoming, they were very common the years leading up to the pandemic. Those high intensity interval, those hit training classes like Orange Theory, like F45, Barry's Boot Camp, these things, right? Where it's just high intensity, high paced, it's heart rate based training. Those style of workouts, and I think this is very important to say, those style of workouts are excellent at burning calories, excellent at burning calories. But like we mentioned before, the purpose of your working out, the why behind working out should not be to burn calories per se. Right? You should not be looking for your sole goal out of training to be just to burn calories yeah. because we know that your body is adaptive. It adapts to what you continually give it. Now, these training styles are usually different workouts every single day, very heart rate based, very low rest time, very fast paced workouts, right? Essentially cardio for most of the hour. And yes, even though you're involving weights and weight training, it's in a very cardio-esque fashion where you're doing a set of 20 here and then immediately doing a set of 15 here and then a set of 10 here. So very lightweight. Oh, Barry's is like, at Barry's it doesn't, you don't monitor your heart rate and you do have the option Mm -hmm. to not do the treadmill, but it is just, you do not stop for, I used to go four days a week. I do, Mm -hmm. disclaimer, I did love it. If you love that type of workout, go do it. That's a big thing that I was talking about too, because when I talk about this next point, people always say I'm like, oh, so orange series bad. What's like, well, no, for certain motivations, like again, depending on where you're starting from, if the class atmosphere and the motivation gets you there multiple days a week, that's a hundred times better than you trying to do something you hate and then failing yeah. at it, like going to the gym. So that's also important to be said. But if you've been doing these workouts for so long and why I saw after so many members at those gyms, is they'd hit plateaus and stay the exact same for months and months and months and months, even though they were burning sky high calories on the tracker. We know that your body's adapt to that style of training a lot quicker than any other style of training, especially like weight training specifically, 
Mm-hmm. And what that doesn't allow you to do is implement something that we know very important that we're doing an episode on soon called progressive overload in the gym. Progressive overload is one of the most, it's the place where progress comes from, especially from like a hypertrophy and muscular standpoint, which is so important to overall metabolic rate. But you're not able to implement progressive overload when your style of training has no foundation, no base. It is constantly just go, 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 different reps, different sets, different exercises, different workouts, different everything, weight training and having a solid foundation to build off of is so massively important. I think understated when it comes to people hitting plateaus, because with progressive overload weights in the gym, you're implementing that by doing more training volume, more load in weights, more frequency. You're you're implementing progressive overload. So your body has to continually keep trying to adapt to something new, to something new, Mm -hmm. not like an orange theory, which even though it's technically a quote unquote new workout every day, it's the same style and your body adapts to that style a lot quicker. So you're burning a lot less calories than it tells you you are on the board. And I think that's very important as people are like, I'm wearing the heart rate monitor. So it tells me how many calories it doesn't, it doesn't account for adaptation. That's why I was always more of a proponent for, I mean, granted it's so expensive and not accessible to the average person, but berries yeah. is because the trainers are really like big proponents of increasing your weights. Cause all, anything you're doing on the floor yeah. is with free weights. So you do have the option to go up in weight. You do have the option to go at a slower pace and increase your weight. You do have the option to increase your treadmill speed, whatever. But one funny note I wanted to add is I used to have people come up to me and be like, oh, like my trainer is so jacked. I want to look like them. They're in incredible shape. Talking about them specifically, <laughs> I need to do this every single day. I'm like, I'm sorry. Do you think your trainer is doing Barry's boot camp as their only workout? Beautiful no, no, point. Are, are maybe hopping into a class or two. And then I'm so they're in the, they're in the gym. They are in the gym lifting weights. That is, what I'm so think. like glad you're bringing this up. Yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about spin. Spin isn't really in this category because you instructors are on the thing, but berries like orange yep. theory F 45, like they're in the gym. <laughs> yeah. Realize that that's what really bothered me. And what I ended up, that's actually the company I left to start bloom. But that was always like an asymmetry that I would notice is it's like we're preaching these people to come in four, five, six times a week to take these classes and they want to look like their coaches. These coaches might jump into a mandatory one or two classes a week, but they're at LA Fitness or they're at Lifetime Fitness or they're at Crunch or they're at whatever Mm -hmm. four or five times a week. They weight train. That's how they got their body, their composition, their physique. That's how they got there, not from the classes. So it's like we can say the classes, like as long as we're saying what they are, that's cool right? It's great for your cardiovascular health. It's great Mm -hmm. at building a routine, but is it phenomenal at building an ideal physique if that's your goal? No. So that's a big component of it is like, look at your style of training at increasing your, your burn through the day. That's a big piece. And especially that much high intensity interval training, you're putting your body at significant risk for injury if you're not recovering properly. So if you're going five, six days a week, that is so, so hard on mm-hmm. your body. You're not leaving enough time for recovery. Yep. And it is not, if you're also trying to get into the gym and do both like multiple days a week, you're not going to see progress. And I know we've had a conversation about how like, oh, switching from high intensity to low intensity, I finally lost lost mm-hmm. the weight or, and my cortisol, like high intensity raised my cortisol too much. And it's, that's not what we're talking about. It's the 
doing too much of anything overtraining. Yeah. It's just the principle of overtraining will raise exactly. your cortisol levels and will increase your risk for injury. So also thinking about that. Exactly. So it, yeah, it just doesn't give your body the best environment to actually continue to grow and change. So that's also a reason why I saw a lot of plateaus usually come for is if you're always training in that style. Mm -hmm. The next way to increase we talked about was neat. So just assessing, I think the biggest piece is where your step count is. Look to increase. It's not like you have to get the magic 10,000 number. If you're at 4,000, aim for 6,000 next week, right? Every day next week. If you're at 8,000, mm -hmm. maybe aim for 10,000. Just aim to increase if that's one area. The next piece, your sleep and your stress that we talked about for increasing how many calories you're burning. We know that sleep is so massively important and I still am biting my nails at the day that we can get an expert in here to talk about it. But sleep is largely, I think this is the biggest component, is where your endocrine system or your hormone system is regulated. Doing that plus looking at where you are managing your stress further just pushes the system to work against you, right? Mm -hmm. So, and not even against you in that aspect, but also not even to mention, right, the appetite component that sleep has such a large to do. If you're low on sleep, it's going to be so hard not to overeat. Um, but maximizing all of these different areas in your life, like pay attention to those. Before you say, I'm going to eat less food. Well, you're sleeping six hours a night. Could you do something about that? Maybe go to bed a little earlier, not watch the Jeffrey Dahmer case for four hours before <laughs> keeping you up to do. Tony? Calm myself out. That freaking... Oh, I'm halfway through and it's just the, oh, gives you the heebie-jeebies, but I can't stop it. <laughs> um, one thing I want to mention too is something we haven't talked about, but look at your environment and the people you're surrounding yourself with. If you are ah. feeling like you are constantly surrounded by people who don't have similar goals to you, and again, this is you not really enjoying the going out to the drinking three, four nights a week, like always doing something that has to revolve around eating out doesn't align with what you really want. Think about that too, because mm -hmm. if you're constantly feeling pressured to go out and drink or eat, like there is a level of, it's great to go out to dinner and yeah. do that, but there's another level of feeling like you have to be a part of every social interaction and have to drink alcohol and have to eat all the food everyone else mm -hmm. is eating. Like that can be something to think about because- I think who talks James clear. He talks about this a lot in his atomic habits book yeah. about how your like social environment and the, and how important it is to be surrounded by people with similar values to you. Mm -hmm. And this is not me saying like, Oh, these people like don't track their calories and they're not obsessed with fitness. That's not at all what I'm saying. It's a values piece. And you can have people that don't do any of that, but still accept your values. So you don't feel pressured yeah. to do things that, push you away from your goals. Yeah. That's a good way to wrap it up. Cause I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, well, I can't just cut off my yeah. best friend from college. We're not saying cut them off. We're just saying start associating yourself with as many value accepting. They don't have to match your values, but at least does it get in the way of yours, which mm -hmm. is huge. So those are all the ways to increase how many calories you're burning. Now let's talk about this subject. What if we need to make changes to our nutrition point a and point b but we talked about point b right we have two things we could do a and b b was to increase how many calories you are burning which we recommend always doing first but let's talk about the other end of that sword decreasing the amount of calories you are eating right that's another way to make a larger deficit and i think it's very important we're going to also talk about now how to judge when you might need a reverse diet or a dieting break here's one thing you have to be sure of because i always recommend if you're going to decrease calories do so in small incremental changes, 
right? 100 to 200 calories every two weeks. But the biggest piece is depending where you are. We don't like to give hard numbers on saying you should never eat below X amount of calories because that number is going to be different for every single person and context is so important. But pay attention if you are hungry often through the day, if you're constantly hungry, if you wake up hungry, if you go to bed hungry and you've maxed out what you can do through burning calories, you might not be in a good place to take away even more calories from your nutrition, no matter what that number is. If that number is arbitrarily good or bad, from what you've been told, maybe you're eating 2000 calories a day, but you're starving. You don't need to go lower. That's a good place to say, okay, maybe we need a diet break or a reverse diet. Now, bottom, bottom of the bucket, bottom of the barrel. Don't even know if that makes sense right here. If you're like, well, when's a good spot to stop? When should I not go lower on my calories? I was reading and putting together this outline and a lot of experts in this field will even recommend never going below 90% of your basal metabolic rate, your BMR. So just for reference, the BMR is the part that makes up 50 to 70% of how many calories you are burning in a day. Certain experts will say never go below 90% of that, meaning eating 90% of your BMR, which is low. Yeah. We were talking about this beforehand. It's just something, and I would like to interview some of those people to really understand how they got to those numbers. Mm. I never recommend going even below BMR in the first place. Your BMR, your basal metabolic rate. That's how much you just need <clears throat> to survive. That's how much like, yeah, to... your body needs to run, not to yeah. exercise, not to move throughout the day, not to digest its food just to survive. That's what it needs. So I never recommend going below that. And if you're confused on where those numbers might be, and you don't know where your TDEE is, your total daily energy expenditure, because you haven't been tracking food or your weight, and you just haven't taken the time to figure that out. We're going to link a Legion calculator down below that helps you both figure out an estimate for your TDEE and your BMR based on certain metrics. Again, these calculators do not give you an exact that's not exactly where you are. They give you a window of where you might be mm -hmm. based on small things. And we've had episodes about this before. Calculators are good to find a starting place. They do not give you and they cannot give you an exact number just because they don't have enough data. They don't have enough, yeah. enough context to actually give you what your BMR, what your TDE is. They don't know your sleep. They don't know your stress. They don't know your lean body mass even most of the time. They don't know your genes. They don't know your hormonal problem. They don't know so many things that go into how many calories you're burning in a day, but it gives you a good starting point. So if you're curious, if you don't know where you are, if you should be going lower, we're going to link those calculators in below. But once you get to the spot where you're like, well, dude, I've maxed out how many I'm burning in a day. And I've really suppressed how much I'm eating as much as I can. And I'm still stuck. If you get to this spot, because you're doing what you're doing, right? Most people don't get here. But if you get to this spot, this might be a great time to implement a reverse diet or a dieting break. We've mentioned those terms a lot, and I know we're doing a deep dive episode on reverse dieting here in the near future, but I recommend in those cases for a plateau, shifting your goals. Was it who, what guests were we having on Alan Aragon's yeah. episode when we were talking about shifting your goals? Maybe your goal should not just be weight loss. Maybe it's a better time to shift your goal away from weight loss and say, Hey, I'm going to work on performance. I'm going to work on something else. How many people have been dieting, not just for weeks and months, but years? How yeah. important can it be just to shift your goals, right? So allowing yourself to go back up to maintenance calories, to reverse back up there, to eat closer. And for those unfamiliar, a reverse diet or returning back to a dieting break really just means going from what your deficit is, returning back to your estimated 
TDEE or your total daily energy expenditure. So how many calories your body's burning. The difference between a diet break and a reverse diet is where a dieting break would just be you going immediately back to that number. So let's say you burn roughly 2,500 calories in a day. You're dieting down to 1,800 calories after months and months of cutting, cutting, cutting. A dieting break would mean you go right back up to 2,500 for six weeks. A reverse dieting method is where every one to two weeks, you would increase your calorie intake from 1,800 or whatever bottom piece you were at increase by 100 to 200 calories every one to two weeks until you get to that TDE spot. So in that case, it would be the course of like four or five weeks, increasing your calorie intake from 1800 to 19 to 2000 to 21 to 2200 until you bridge that gap to where you are. Right. And we're going to go over the exact wins and whys in that episode, but that's a phenomenal way to decide, okay, you're stuck. You're frustrated. You're spinning your wheels. You've checked every single box that we've talked about today great time for a dieting break, right? Allow everything to return back to normal. And I did want to go over real quick what to expect from a dieting break, <clears throat> because this is really scary for a lot of people. And we've talked about this before. It's scary to eat more food when you still know in the front of your head that your goal is to lose weight. It's scary to eat more food knowing it's not going to do that. Now, you're not just going to expect your weight to stay the same when you reverse or when you go into a dieting break. And I think that's very important to notice. But just because you gain a few pounds, because most people going into reverse notice in the first few weeks, they might gain a few pounds. And even in some case studies, the weight does keep going down when we increase calories and increase carbs. But you have to realize that there is going to be a slight weight gain due to increased glycogen and water retention when you introduce more and more carbohydrates into your diet. This is not body fat. Carbs are not bad. But when you eat carbs and they get stored as glycogen, right? We have to realize this, right? Glycogen or broken down carbohydrates, it's primarily stored in your muscle, liver cells, and smaller amounts in your brain, heart, fat, and kidney. Very small amounts there, but predominantly in your muscle and liver, right? Specifically, it's stored inside liquid inside of the cells referred to as cytosol. Cytosol is a clear liquid comprised of water, various vitamins, minerals, and other substances that give cells structure. They really help support chemical reactions within the cell. Now, after stored, glycogen floats around until it's broken down into glucose, which is then used for energy in that cell. Now, it's important to understand when you store more glycogen, when you eat more carbs and end up storing more glycogen, every gram of glycogen in your body is bound to about three to four grams of water molecules. So when you store more glycogen in your muscle and liver, not body fat, in your muscle and liver, you are subsequently storing more water in your muscle and liver. And that's very important to realize that water weight, that water retention usually causes your scale to go up. And what's important is reiterating where you are storing this mm -hmm. in muscle, in your liver, where you are storing the glycogen. That's usually why, again, and this is why I can't wait for this reverse dieting episode. When you go through a reverse diet, you might gain two or three pounds over the course of a few weeks, but you look leaner than you did before because it gives your muscle a little bit more definition, a little more fullness, right? It gives you a leaner body composition at a little bit heavier of a weight because of that. So it's a good thing and that's what to expect. So I did want to give that little cover note because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I started my diet break and I immediately started gaining weight. Mm. Were you gaining weight or were you gaining fat? That's the important little distinction that I wanted to cover there. So that is at least where I got to for once you've worked through all these steps, 
where you would eventually hopefully find your route off of the path, right? You follow this path and you, if you're stuck in a plateau, check off one box by one. Hopefully one of these boxes is the problem area that needs to be solved. Maybe it's increasing your daily movement. Maybe it's changing your training style. Maybe it is eating a little bit less or adjusting your nutrition. Maybe it is a reverse dieting break. The goal is that you can address each of these check boxes and find where you need to improve if you are stuck in a plateau. That was solid. I just want to make sure we cover every single piece. So I can't tell you because you're in a plateau because everyone wants a simple answer. I'm in a plateau. What do I do? There's not one thing to do. Ask yourself all of these questions. Make sure all these boxes are checked. And again, if you go down all the list, there's never not an option because let's say you, you go down all the boxes, you check them off. What does that mean? It's time for a diet break. It's time to reverse diet, right? There's always a piece that you can take away and you now know what to do next. It might not be exactly what you want to do, but there's always a next step if you go through these. And that was what we wanted to get to the bottom of today. So we got a lot in the show notes with the Legion calculator, with everything we mentioned before, with our Patreon going in there. So go check us out. If you're in Patreon, we're going to see you here shortly with our research review this week, this Friday. And I guess we can't say it yet. We got a lot of exciting news for our patrons that we've been working on behind the scenes. So I can't wait. We're going to wait to bring that out until it's actually finalized, done deal. But we can't wait to announce all this for y'all. Y'all know where to find us though. We got social medias, fs.pod on Instagram, on TikTok, fitness stuff for normal people on YouTube, fitness stuff in parentheses for normal people on Patreon, or just check the show notes or link in bio. Cause I don't think most people do that. That's what we got today. Make sure to go check out Legion. If you have not already, make sure to go check out all their free resources on their blog, get their honey cereal. And go check out their blog, their books, all their free material to help educate yourself. I think we recognize today going through all these shootings that we have like three or four more episodes to shoot now on reverse dieting, yeah. on body oh, on body image, on a lot of things. So I can't wait to write these up. But we got our work cut out for us. We hopefully you found this productive and hopefully it helped. If you have any questions, leave it in the comments or let us know in DMs on Instagram. We love you as always. Mariana's back from Columbia. Yeah. She was just I'm saving up love for you. Right? Did she notice how tan she is? Anybody? It's insane. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what we got. Talk to y'all soon. Have a beautiful, productive evening.